The following program is created for informational purposes only and does not constitute as medical advice. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host. If you think you may have a medical emergency, consult your doctor. This is where the healing begins. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic, where it's not only about neck and back pain, but a place for whole body wellness. Listen this hour as Dr. Leanne is here to share her wellness education to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good morning. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. Or check us out online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, we are talking about things you might be doing that are sabotaging your weight loss. I started thinking about this the other day because I was in the gym. I was working out and uh, I got smacked in the face with this pungent smell of what I believe to be be some sort of something breeze scent. Oof. I have realized that cutting out smells, scents, um, have made it so that I'm very, very sensitive when I come into contact with them. The hand lotion, people's perfume or cologne, that synthetic smell is incredibly, incredibly hard for me. And so especially as I'm taking these like big, deep breaths and, you know, um, so I took it out of the wall. It was like a plug-in of some sort. And I took it out and I let the um, kind of trainer know afterwards. And I said, hey, I just wanted to be respectful and let you know that I did take uh, the the scent out. I said, I understand why you guys have it because of the sheer fact that uh, when people work out, sometimes they stink. <laughs> so I can understand desiring, trying to have a better like smell that comes in here. I said in the same regard, though, what is smelling is chemicals. And oftentimes the chemicals that are in there that create those scents are hormone disruptors. And so when you have all of these people and you're doing challenges and they're working really hard, but then they're breathing in all of these chemicals consistently that create them to be weight loss resistant. I was in the car app and he said, I have no idea. Like we just wanted it to smell nice in here. And I really thought about what are people doing? They've set New Year's resolutions. What are they doing that are making it so that they're struggling to lose weight? Like how are they sabotaging their weight loss, mostly unknowingly. So that's one. I will encourage you, oftentimes, we will um, have commercials that run for different events that we have, 
we are doing a metabolism makeover, how to kickstart your metabolism. So say you are having trouble losing those last five pounds, or if you feel like just overall your metabolism is sluggish and you just want like a little help and a little kickstart to it, we're going to do our makeover right? Our health makeover. Now, this is a smaller one. This is going to be one that is in the office, in our office at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. So we're going to talk about how common toxins affect weight loss. We're going to talk about how uh, stress and sleep can play a role, how metabolism plays a role on um, diabetics or how it affects blood pressure. So we're going to, it's uh, 930 to 11. It is February 25th. It's a Saturday morning in our office from 9.30 to 11.30. Registration starts at 9. Tickets are required for this since it's in the office. We, um, it is not going to be one where we can fit 500 people. It's going to be the first 100 people who are able to come in. You can get your tickets at creatinghealthyindy, creatinghealthyindy com. It is $10. That $10, when you come to the event, turns around and that $10 you get to use as product. So you get $10 off of if you want to pick up any product that day. So it's just a really great way to reserve your spot, creatinghealthyindy.com. If you want to learn more in detail than just kind of the superficial things that we'll cover today, creatinghealthyindy.com. So before we get into that, let's talk about some news. Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government. Today's Health in the News. Animal testing no longer required for drug approval. So let's start with this little PSA. I love animals. This is not a question on whether or not I believe that animals can feel pain or animals have the right to life. This is not a whether or not I believe animals deserve to be tortured. Uh, So let's start there. The problem that I have with this is that I 100% believe that human life is the most important. And I understand that medication and drugs, there's a time and a place. They're life saving for people, for people, for humans. So let's start there because I don't need a bunch of like crazy emails telling me how I don't believe animals and animal activism and all that kind of stuff. I believe that we're there. We're on the same page. But when we talk about what is going on, I truly believe that this is going to cause massive turmoil and deaths when it comes to humans. So, um, again, animal testing no longer required for drug approval. (laughs) So for generations, people have associated the term, quote, lab rat and, quote, guinea pig with scientific research. Animal testing remains a standard and it has been required for drug approval. 
but just before Christmas of this last year, Congress ended the requirement that all new drugs must be tested in two species, usually mice and a, quote, higher order mammal, like rabbits or primates, before being tried on people. So that's one when you go through a clinical trial, it has only gotten to a human clinical trial because it has passed two animal trials. I will never forget, this is not part of the article. When I was in chiropractic school, I um, had made a friend, I played soccer with her. And we were sitting down just like kind of talking about how we got into chiropractic. And she was mentioning that she used to work for a drug company. And she said, with this drug company, what um, she was she was the one responsible for going in and evaluating and checking on the animals through clinical trials. And she said the day that her last day that she worked there was a day that she walked in to check on these animals uh, after being gone overnight who were in an active drug trial and all of them were bleeding out of their eyes. She said that was the day I realized I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life. Now imagine if you skipped that and that went straight to people, what does that look like? You know? Um, so they say the changes won't stop animal testing overnight. Research tools and computer algorithms developed over the last 10 to 15 years still have gaps. And regulators won't immediately change uh, their approach to safety. But the law officially called the FDA Modernization Act 2.0 marks a triumph in specific research on human cells and technology and the culmination of 40 years of lobbying by animal rights activists. They said there's kind of a movement right now where the technology has developed enough and the awareness has been developed enough to make this possible. Uh, said a bioengineer from Washington School of Medical. I, I disagree with this stuff so much. Um, so animal studies have helped provide a measure of security that a drug could be effective and probably isn't extremely dangerous, but they're not foolproof. You ready for this? Roughly 90% of drugs that are shown safe and effective in animals turn out not to work as planned in humans. 90% of drugs. Let me say that again. I don't often like repeating myself. I think it's redundant. It's obnoxious. I think this is a noteworthy statistic. Roughly 90% of drugs that are shown safe and effective in animals turn out not to work as planned in humans. If that, so that's what happens if you take out that animal? You have no idea whether or not they look. And they say, well, there has to be like another one, right? They said the failure of the current system that relies on the use of animals for first round of testing uh, is an open secret. <laughs> So how they'll phase out the animals. They say the FDA isn't going to allow drug makers to stop using animals in drug developments. What they're going to have to do is that they are going, um, they said the first drugs that they're going to see a difference in are the quote, quote unquote, me too products that are similar to those already on the market. So like if that, if this drug is close enough to another one, we'll just say it's okay and we can skip the animal testing on this drug. Um... So they said another benefit, this is wild. So another benefit from Congress's action is likely to come in the testing of botulism toxin, which is used as Botox for medical and cosmetic treatment. 
uh, botulism toxin remains one of the most deadly known substances and contaminate food. Every year, millions of mice are treated with lethal doses of botulism toxin to test the potency of each batch of the toxin. He said now, working with the FDA to replace those mice with cells and a dish. Cells and a dish. So that's what they're saying. Substituting animals with a test on a lab plate will save time and money, pose less risk for lab workers, and the avoid the need for disposal of contaminated animals. Um... So basically, they're talking about what is replacing them. And so what they're doing is they're developing, quote, organoids, quote, organoids, which is mixing cell types from a particular organ, like the kidney, to mimic how a disease and drug might affect it. A similar technology called, quote, organs on a chip (laughs) allows researchers to better represent the environment inside of the body by mimicking the flow of blood past these organoids. (laughs) They are not organs, but they have features that resemble tissues. These mini organs can show symptoms of disease, can be used to see if the drugs reverse these symptoms and investigate the effects of cellular levels, which would be difficult to do in an animal. (laughs) Here's where I disagree. If you take a drug for your blood pressure, for example, does it only affect the heart? If you take a medication for um, an, like an antibiotic, right? Maybe they put a new antibiotic. Like what, th- what tissues are you going to test? Because you're not looking at the whole system. You're looking at small aspects of cells in a dish that you think is what is going to mimic what happens inside of a a human body. I don't know what the drug was, but the animals bled out their eyes, but I'm sure it wasn't an eye medication. But it affected a human eye or animal's eyes, right? So like, what does that do to humans? Like, what does that look on, on whole aspects? And here is really what I think is... One of the more frustrating aspects is that um, the answer is, like, why are they doing this? Like, why? And, you know, obviously, uh, animal activists say this is for animals. And again, totally understand that. But again, I value human life the most. The move away from animal testing is also being driven by cost. So a drug that is going to make this drug company millions to billions of dollars, they say, well, we don't want the cost on the front end of things, right? Um, they say it is harder now to obtain primates. Every primate now costs between four and $5,000 to buy, not including the cost of having to house and feed them. It's a pain point, says says this chief policy officer of drug companies. Um, they say a 2019 survey, survey of pharmaceutical experts predicted that replacing animals could save between 10 and 26% of drug development research costs. But <laughs> here's what I think, is that when it saves that drug company 10 to 26% of development research, 
The only people that are affected from a side effect is you as the consumer. And they're going to say, well, that's not it. We don't. I mean, we don't. Just like the COVID shot. Let's do it. Two years, we'll figure out what the most of the side effects are. And they're like, oh, no. Hearts are shutting down. People are dying. Myocarditis. All of these. Man, we didn't see this coming. Because you didn't do your adequate research. And now we're going to do this on every single new drug that comes out. Why? Because it, well, it saves the drug company 10 to 26% of development research costs. Do you think you as a consumer are going to see that? Because the answer I can speak in almost definite or absolutely. No, not you're not. Absolutely not. But it saves the drug company. So they just, more drug money comes in. So they can make more drugs and do these things. When in reality, there's, there's zero responsibility on their part that if it kills your Uncle Ted or it maims and makes your mom's eye bleeds, the drug, there's no sweat off their back. They're still making billions of dollars. And you know what they did? They saved 10 to 26% because they don't have to spend expensive money on primates. It's a cost thing, right? Get out of here. And so what do you do, right? And the aspect of being able to look at and evaluate your health on the front end of things, like what can you do proactively? Like, oh, I, you know, it's just not in me to like eat right and exercise and like it's working for me so far. I don't have diabetes and high blood pressure. But you live that lifestyle for the next 10 years and guess what you get? You get those disease processes. And then guess what you have to rely on? And so, but it's because there wasn't a value of importance because you weren't trying to reverse a disease process. You're trying to prevent it. And so when you look at eating right and exercising and getting adjusted and living the five essentials, that's inevitably what we need to evaluate as a whole is do things now pre-disease to work to not get disease because in 10 years, all of those new drugs, you're the guinea pig. You're the lab rat. You've got to take your health into your own hands because no one's going to care more than you and your family. So when we come back, are you secretly sabotaging your weight loss? We'll talk more. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can check us out online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That is greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, we are talking about things you may be doing to sabotage your weight loss. <laughs> I feel as if, um, you know, there's just a lot of aspects that we haven't really realized what we're doing that might be counterintuitive. And I know that sounds a little bit odd, but let me give you my first example. I have noticed 
that the average person doesn't get enough sleep. I mean, I know there are a lot of things about the average person that we could probably work on, but I could tell you that I feel as if the average person does not get enough sleep and we can more easily dismiss this because as adults, we have quite the access to caffeine. But there is a direct relationship between lack of sleep and your metabolism. So I want you to have a bit more of an understanding of why. Because there's different functions of the body that are separate and how it has an effect. So number one is sleep and your brain. So improper sleep impairs normal brain function. It decimates the normal activity of the brain, specifically the frontal lobe, the center of decision-making and impulse control. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help but uh, laugh um, a little bit. So in other words, it makes you feel uh, unclear, foggy, a little high. Uh, no one has a clear understanding of these kind of actions, but exhaustion reduces brain activity and when it does the control on your diet goes to zero i see this uh more so for decision making and impulse control um one you see this a lot with like kids right like if kids don't get enough sleep like their impulse control you are like hi you are a tiny terrorist and so my first question when i always look at because i have bird three tiny terrorist uh it's like how much sleep did they get last night because their impulse control, their emotions, their decision-making is all bad. Um, and it reminds me, too, of, uh, you know, when I had newborns and I was a nursing mom. <laughs> like, rough. Um, so according to the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, sleep deprivation results in increased late-night snacking. Ultimately, when you increase your snacking, it will likely result in weight gain. Um, food cravings increase and you end up having a higher calorie diet. So in other words, sleep deprivation increases your caloric intake resulting in oftentimes overeating and obesity. Another study states that less sleep promotes people to increase portions of food, eventually resulting in, again, weight gain. So overall, a sleepy brain triggers cravings for junk food with almost no control for overeating impulses. Um, the other one that we talk about is sleep and fat storage. So sleep acts as nutrition, not only for your body, but for your brain as well. So it is the prominent form of rest, helping you recover from exhaustion while fine tuning different body processes. It also relaxes your brain to improve cognitive processes. So this results in improved impulse control and less sensation of cravings contributing to better weight management. Here's the other aspect. Less sleep increases cortisol. Also, side note, less sleep increases fatigue, which oftentimes can have an effect on consumption of caffeine. Caffeine is another one where you're looking at like cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, stress hormones increase as well. Uh, promotion increase of cortisol boost fat storage 
and obesity, where adequate sleep helps fight off the issue, uh, improves fuel and fat transfusions. So it moves fat, burns it more. Um, again, metabolism specifically, uh, study investigated the impact of sleep disorders and sleep loss on metabolism. Findings showed how sleep deprivation alters glucose metabolism. Why is that important? Glucose metabolism is sugar metabolism. If you are not metabolizing sugar, it's free in your blood. If insulin is not regulating it, glucagon is not regulating it, escorting it back to your liver, then you have excess sugar or glucose and your body stores that as fat. So again, they showed that sleep deprivation alters glucose metabolism and the hormone responsible for proper metabolic function. This is oftentimes a result of uh, reduced leptin and augmented ghrelin, which are kind of your hunger hormones, which makes sense because, you know, if you're not helping um, balance hunger hormones like leptin and ghrelin, if someone hasn't talked to you about leptin and ghrelin, that is uh, an important aspect when it comes to metabolism. Side note, I talked about it briefly before, but I will talk about it again. We are doing a Kickstart Your Metabolism workshop in our office at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. This is a smaller event. We will um, have to cap it at about 90 to 100 people. Tickets are required for this. Usually we're like, come as you are. If you find out the minute before, this is not one of these events. This is one a ticket is required because we will fill up and we will fill up fast. It is $10. You can register at Creating Healthy Indy, I-N-D-Y, creatinghealthyindy.com. Uh, tickets are $10. That $10 will go towards product. So that way, if you want to grab something, it is a $10 product voucher to use the day of the event. So really, that $10, you just turn around and use it right away. CreatingHealthyIndy.com. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful event. So not only, right, studies have mentioned how sleep deprivation um, slows down the metabolic process of reserved foods. They often found, too, that even a slight duration of sleep deprivation has a negative impact. So a study showed 20% boost in ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, and a 15% reduction in leptin, which is your appetite suppressing hormone. So when you are not getting enough sleep, it is changing your hormonal balance. So how long should you be sleeping? So a study examined um, 130,000 adult participants for sleep and uh, metabolism collectively in terms of health. And the finding disclosed sleeping less than six hours or sleeping more than 10 hours per night elevated the risk of metabolic syndrome, right? Metabolic syndrome is kind of synonymous with issues of obesity, um, low LDLs, hypertension, weight gain, high glucose levels. All of these factors are kind of connected to a higher obesity risk. So no, so you want to get I would say the average person's sweet spot from an adult standpoint is seven to eight hours, right? So what if you're like, absolutely not, I have to get up for work at 4 a.m. I actually um, have a, a patient friend who um, he works stocking warehouses before they open. It's a big box warehouse. So he has to be at work at 3.30 in the morning. And one night I was like, hey, do you and your wife want to go out to dinner? And he was like, well, if we do, like it has to be at 4 like, <laughs> but it was because he's literally in bed at 6 30 
at latest seven so he can get like six to seven seven to eight hours of sleep but that means he just had to go to bed earlier and so does that mean sacrifices and yes and it wasn't he was doing it because he knows that that sleep is a necessity for his brain for function so another aspect too that I can tell you is that often people are feeding their thirst what does that mean you're feeding your thirst your brain oftentimes has problems differentiating if you are thirsty or if you are hungry. And so, so oftentimes we experience what we think our body feels is hunger. But in reality, what that is, um, is your body's thirsty. So uh, some research even suggests drinking two eight ounce glasses of water before breakfast, lunch and dinner. And it might actually help manage hunger and eat less. 16 ounces is a decent amount to drink. But um, I have noticed quite a bit with people that if you are thirsty and not drinking enough, your body will supplement that and it kind of feels like hunger. So ensure that you're drinking enough water, not brown water, not sodas, not teas, coffee, water. So when we come back, more aspects of things that can be sabotaging your weight loss. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Today, we are talking about ways you might be sabotaging your weight loss. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. Or you could always check us out online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. Greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. To schedule your initial exam and consultation. Now, we're doing, I will share with this with you, um, oftentimes we'll do commercials, and this is a smaller event that we're doing, and it is going to be a wonderful event. If you feel like you just can't lose that last five pounds, if you feel like your metabolism has become a little bit sluggish, if you feel like you just need a little bit of extra kick and boost, and you need some guidance and direction on how to do that, we are doing an event in office called Kickstart Your Metabolism. It's going to be on t- February 25th. Uh, it is a paid event. It is $10. That $10, when you show up to the event, you can turn around and you can use as a $10 product credit if you choose to grab anything. Um, if not, then you uh, pay $10 for a seat for information that will change your life. <laughs> 
So uh, you can register. It's Creating Healthy Indie, Creating Healthy I-N-D-Y, creatinghealthyindie.com to schedule. It's a Saturday morning, 9.30 to 11. Get there at 9 because we will start promptly at 9.30. Now, what I have found is that we are inadvertently making it so that we are not losing weight. We're doing these things. And um, one of the things so often is that, oh gosh, okay. So one, we're not eating real food. That is probably, and I will give you an example. That is myself, <laughs> okay? Um, ugh. So when I was in school, so it's, I think, college, right? So like I was making college kid decisions. But I feel like I didn't really know better at the time. So I was like, hey, I'm going to count calories but what I wasn't realizing is that though I was counting calories, and obviously you have to be cognizant of calories, I also was realizing that although I was counting calories, uh, the amount of chemicals that I was eating in order to ensure that the calories that I was eating was low was really high. Sort of like lean cuisine meals, and um, I would... I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know if they still have them or not, but there was something back in the day called 100 calorie packs. I wonder if they still have them. Um, they're like 100 calorie packs. And they were just like different foods that had 100 calories. And so it was like portioned. And so I would have like chocolate, but it wasn't healthy food. It was like chocolate covered pretzels or like, cookies or like it was all just straight chemicals <laughs> for 100 calories and I was like but I could eat three of these and it's only 300 calories <laughs> and so at the end of the day I wasn't nourishing my body my body was still um so hungry for nutrients it was so it was just really really um surprising when we looked at like what um what we were actually consuming into the body and so I looked at other um like nutrition protocols at the time and again this was probably like a couple decades ago but what was really interesting about it is that there was another kind of nutrition aspect at the time it was like a nutrition plan or a diet plan if you will and um it was uh, point-based. I do think they're still around. Now, this point-based one I think has changed, but at the time, it was like you could um, like pool all of your points. And so I had a friend. I had a friend who would like save up their points, and at the end of the day, they had uh, like two or three of these like creamsicle popsicle things and they're like it's only one point because it was full of a bunch of like artificial sweeteners and so they would like save their points for this and I'm like this in my in my brain right I was like that doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense that we're putting all of this like wonder and on emphasis on um and like 
saying, hey, you can reward yourself with things that like aren't nutritious. It's not quality. They don't feed the cells. And so I think one that you have to look at is you need to be sure, obviously, that you're eating fats in color, right? Fresh fruits, fresh, fresh vegetables. Another aspect, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Maximize Your Life, I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, right? So here's why I find how people are sabotaging. Your snacks are likely more calories than you were burning. And so what happens, and that I see often, is the fact that we exercise. And then because we're exercising, we're justifying more calories. But I think our assumption is that what we're working out and calories that we're burning while we work out uh, is not the same as the calories that we consume. So let's look at this. This is uh, going to be unpopular. I am looking at Girl Scout cookie calories. I do think it is this season. Uh, I'm really sorry. I'm just telling you about it. This is not just because I'm telling you about it doesn't mean I'm creating it. Let's go through... I'll choose one of the good ones. Caramel Delights or Samoas is another name. Two cookies, 140 calories, right? Not to mention 12 grams of sugar. So in each in each cookie, that is a packet and a half of sugar. It's <laughs> a lot. That's a lot. Um, but we're talking about, so two cookies is a serving size, 140 calories. Um, I don't know if you're anything like the average person, but I don't think people just stop at two. So when we look at what exercise would be needed to burn those calories, again, two caramel delights or two Samoas. So, um, obviously the calories burned during any exercise activity varies depending on your weight, your fitness level, and your intensity of exercise. But let's just take, for example, a 125 pound person who is doing 30 minutes of vigorous weightlifting, 30 minutes, it's 180 calories. If they're doing something like yoga, it would take them 30 minutes. So I looked at other aspects of what that exercise would entail. So that is if you are walking like a brisk walk, four miles per hour, and this is still on the 125 pound individual. If you were to do a brisk walk, which would be like a 13 minute mile, four miles per hour if you're on the treadmill, uh, 15 minutes would burn 75 calories. So <laughs> you would have to do about two miles, a little bit shy of two miles, uh, just to burn those two calories. Like the average person has zero idea what it takes to briskly walk two miles. Now, that being said, if you wanted to run, right, and you you had like a 10-minute mile, which would be six miles per hour, um, then you would have to uh, run about 12 minutes for that. Straight running, no stopping, no breaking, no breathing. <laughs> I just think... When you're looking at what is actually needed, we say, hey, I went for a walk outside. I'm going, and mo again, most people don't have just two cookies or like a spoonful of ice cream or it's one that in excess. And that's just the sugary treats on top of what we're doing. So um, 
I think a lot of the times, one, we're overestimating the calories that we burn. And um, the other side of that coin is that we are underestimating the calories that are eaten, right? Like one sleeve of Pop-Tarts, two servings. <laughs> like we're just not, we're, we're eating large portions and we're consuming large amounts. And two, the other thing is I feel as if we're oftentimes munching a lot. Um, so I think it's finding that balance. The other one too that we talk about a little bit more are the chemicals that you're putting in your body. And this is something that we're going to dive down deeper into when we go through our reboot, your metabolism makeover on February 25th, correct? So that's in a couple weeks. This will be an aspect where we can say, hey, what do I need to do or make those changes if I can't lose that extra five pounds that I feel like my metabolism sluggish, that I don't have the energy that I feel like I should or would or deserve to have those aspects of things. That's what we're going to teach about. Uh, it is an event that you have to have a seat for. So you do have to register it because it's going to be out our office at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. You can register at creatinghealthyindy.com. That's creatinghealthyindy.com. To register the event is $10 at $10. When you come to the event, uh, you have $10 voucher to use day of for any products you decide to get. Um, but we're going to dive down deeper into what you're putting on your body. So oftentimes, the sense that we breathe in, what we put on our hair and our body has problems with hormone disrupting. And so obesogens is what they would be called. And so we're going to dive down deeper into like what an obesogen is how we have it, how we combat it, things to look for, action steps. So many times when we look at this and we think, gosh, I'm just stuck. And it's like, well, because I turned 40 or because I turned 50 or because I did this or because I did that. And so just those aspects of how we can dive down deeper into like getting to the root cause of the problem is inevitably always our total goal. So, um, Again, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can always check us out online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That is greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation, creatinghealthynd.com. <laughs> Look forward to next week. Always remember that your power is on. Um,